Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports longest running football show. My name is Jack Don and we've got plenty to discuss on today's show with last season's Scottish Cup final playing out yesterday and some absolute doings in the Premier League to talk about. Who better to join me than some of Energy Sports finest? We've got perhaps the only other true neutral from the Cup final, Sean McGinn. Sean, Sean McGinn. <laughs> Sean McGinn, I'll take it. Sean I'll McGinn. take it. Mate, you played for him to know. I'm sitting Sean for him McGinn. to the matter of moments. Sean McGinn. McGinn. <laughs> Sean McGill, that is. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm, I wish I had the ability of uh, even one, even Stephen McGinn. <laughs> you, you'd take Stephen McGinn? I'd even take that. Oh. Well, that's that's just gonna you know, a precursor to how this is gonna go. I'm not I'm not in the best shape the day, boys. I woke up late from my work and had to rush this morning. I've ended up with a migraine, so I'm in bits. And Ben Chilwell's gone down injured, so I'm not in a good way. But we're gonna press on. We'll uh, help you through. Thank, thanks, bud. Appreciate that. Uh, we've got our own Hearts correspondent, Jamie McIntosh. Good to have you, mate. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> Lovely. And then we've also got a man. Who claims not to be a Celtic fan, but after seeing his Twitter activity yesterday, we need to question him a bit more. Struan Garvey, hello. Hi guys, how you doing? Not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, much happier after yesterday's result, I'll take it. <laughs> which which team? I mean, take your pick, because you're supporting everybody these days. Ah, a good day of football yesterday. <laughs> good day of... It's a good day of football. I'll make the point now because we've said that it's yesterday's Scottish Cup final. We're recording this on the Monday night and it's going out on the Tuesday morning, so... There's your excuse for it. Sounding a wee bit off at the moment, but as always, we get things underway with the big question, and this week's is pretty self-explanatory. Boys, what is your favourite cup final as a neutral? So, no 2012 final for Jamie, no 2016 final for Struan, no League Cup final in 2012 for Sean, and no shortage of options for me. (laughs) Struan, let's hear yours first. Well, I was was going between a few of them, but now, the final itself was pretty dreadful, to be honest. It was the Euro 2016 final. And it was, what? It was pretty, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to my explainer for this You're now. You're going to have to, because that... I went, I went kind of differently with this, in the sense why I really liked it. It wasn't actually anything to do with the football itself. It's just... Oh, Ronaldo. It was, it, it was, a, it was an international tournament victory for Ronaldo, which was um, <laughs> pretty cool, to be honest, oh, you know, yeah, especially yeah. after he was injured. But on a serious note... Um, I really enjoyed the Champions League final in 2015, the Barcelona-Juventus one. Yeah, that crossed my mind as well. The 4-1, I thought that was a really entertaining game because I think in the last decade, you know, we haven't really seen Barcelona quite get back to that team. You saw the Messi-Suarez, Neymar front three, which was was absolutely incredible. I think it's one of the best front threes in our lifetime, certainly. You know, the midfield, that was the last game I think Xavi ever, ever played for Barcelona and what a player he was, Iniesta there as well. And over, over on the Juventus side of things as well, you had players like Perlo, Buffon, Chiellini, some really good players, Carlos Tevez as well, of course. It was mm. just, it was almost just like the peak and kind of coming to the end of careers of some really great players. And I think it was a really good final as well, to be honest, despite a 3-1 scoreline, was it, to Barcelona in the end? I say it's my favourite, and I'm not even 100% sure what the scoreline was. Ago. I know, eh? Um, 3-1. Was it 3-1? Ah, yeah, 3-1 final, I think. Three, three, all, all of Barca scored except Messi from that, that that front three, and I believe it was a Rakitic goal from Barcelona yeah, opened the scoring, and then it was it Morata who cancelled them out, I think? Because Morata was at Juventus at that time, and he was absolutely incredible. So yeah, I really enjoyed that game, I thought it was great. Fair enough, that's a good shout from you. Uh, Jamie, how about yourself? Uh, as far as like Champions Leagues go, the Dortmund-Bayern one in 2013, I quite enjoyed. Uh, it was kind of at a time where I think that was the year where Bayern and Dortmund had both beaten like 
Barca and Real or like two Spanish the, teams the or something. The Lewandowski game against Real. That's what I remember. Two, two Spanish teams or something, I think, in the semi-final. And it was all about, you know, Germany getting on top of Spain, who had kind of dominated the, the European mm-hmm. football stage for for the previous kind of few years. So it was, it, I don't know, it just seemed like a final that was quite important for just like the tide kind of turning towards the Germans and the style of play. It just, it felt completely different um, to kind of previous finals. And uh, I'll, an honourable mention to uh, Hibs Rangers as well. Hibs Rangers in 2016, you're saying there? Yeah. Aye, absolutely. Did it's... that hurt a bit, Jamie? Or... <laughs> it was weird. Um, not, not really, no. I don't. I wouldn't say hurt is the right choice of word, no. It was kind of just like a monkey off the back because every time like Hearts played Hibs in the cup, it was like, oh Christ, you know, they had, you know, it was like you had, you felt you had to beat them, or else, you know, they were they were going to go on and win it or that, and mm. they were always going to win it eventually. So uh, yeah. no, I'm not sure hurts the right choice of word. Ah well, I mean, you'd you'd won it four years previously yourself, so you didn't really have much much to complain about. Uh, Sean, how about yourself, mate? I have gone for the 2013 FA Cup final. So that's going to stick that Wigan? That's, that's Wigan, Wigan winning the oh, FA Cup. Nice. I was a fan of that Wigan side. I just thought, because they seem to be relegated by Christmas about every season and then somehow stay up despite not having a great squad or like a really intimidating fan base. But they just, Roberto Martinez seemed to consistently <laughs> keep them up. And uh, just the fact that Manchester City were really dominant coming off yeah. the back of a title win season and an FA Cup final featured Scottish player Sean Maloney and James McArthur both started that game. Cal McManaman had a game that like everyone tipped him to be like the next big thing in English right. football. Like he looked absolutely outstanding at Wembley that day. And just the fact that Wigan only make one sub all game, it's Ben Watson in the eighty first minute and then ten minutes later into injury time, he grabs a header from the corner for Wigan to win their first ever FA Cup in the season that they still end up getting relegated. So they've got European football yeah. next season, the Championship. Like It was just an absolute crazy game. Um, Roberto Martinez leaves at the end of that season and I just think that it kind of sums up the mental time that he had there. And it's just what the Cup's all about, isn't it? A wee team beating a big team with a last-minute header. Like, just love to see it. I love can, it. I really... quickly, can I quickly jump in here? Can you name the two Scots that were on the bench for Wigan that day? Um, I've got the thing in front of me, so I can. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll ask the other two then. Probably I never enough. would have got one of them. I wouldn't have got one of them. Uh... So MacArthur and Maloney play. Uh... Both have played for Hibs. Oh, Strewn, go on then. I don't, I don't know any Hibs players from back then. I don't care about them enough. Well, had they been at Hibs at that point, or did they then go on to Hibs? Uh, one had already played for Hibs and the other had not. Did one of them already play for Hibs and then played for Hibs again? Uh, Jesus Christ, there's no guess who. <laughs> Did he wear glasses? <laughs> Did he get sacked as Partick Thistle manager? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gareth Caldwell and uh, Fraser Fivey was the other one. Oh, yeah, that's not Fraser Fivey. I don't know if Fraser Fivey was there. <laughs> I like that I guess think... I must be a Celtic fan then, eh? <laughs> I think that was the first ever time that a team had won the FA Cup and got relegated in the same season. I think that was the first time it ever happened. The first time it's, it's not happened since, obviously. So definitely a kind of moment in English football that a lot of people would remember for right and wrong reasons, I suppose, because you could argue that on the day Wigan could have stayed up and fought against the best. But 
luck of the luck of the league wasn't with them uh, that season anyway. Yeah. It's not often now that you see like a smaller team throwing it in the cup because quite often we see now like the teams in the relegation zone actually play a reserve team to focus on staying in the league mm. rather than risking it for the cup. Yeah, right. I'll I'll give mine. Uh, I, I was gonna go. Uh, I was gonna go twenty sixteen Scottish Cup personally. Just it it, it just kind of made a lot of kind of headlines. But I, I remember the day itself. I was at. Uh, for those that didn't know, I, I used to play in a pipe band. I, I can play can play the bagpipes because I'm so Scottish. And uh, <laughs> I was away at a competition, and uh, it was basically a bus that we went with, and the majority of them were Rangers fans. And Rangers go, uh, Rangers get in the lead, and they're all saying, "Oh, it's easy, easy. Uh, we're, we're winning this cup, no problem at all." And then David Gray just decides he's going to win the cup for Hibs in the dying minutes, and just the dejection on the face of these Rangers fans—that's probably what makes the cup for me. Uh, the performance of Sunshine on Reef afterwards is genuinely one of the best things that I've, I've seen. Though, like, I, I love I, it. I watch that video if I want to get inspired. Like, do you know if, I, if I'm needing inspiration to about to write an essay? Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll just sit and watch it and just I'm, I get the juices flowing. I'm like, right, let's go bash it five hundred words, and then realize I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll also chuck in a shout for it was more again situational for me uh, the 2010 World Cup final between uh, Spain and the Netherlands. Uh, I was, what would I have been, just about to turn 11, 10 at the time, and I was in Fuerteventura with my family, and it was a big thing, uh, obviously, I went, went to this massive Spanish bar, showing it on all the big screens, had a, a, a fake Fernando Torres Spanish top on me that my dad had bought me the day before, <laughs> and it was just soaking up all the atmosphere, and then Iniesta manages to get the winner in extra time the whole place erupts and this the scenes of the streets afterwards were genuinely mental obviously Spain winning their first ever World Cup at that point so I was the same Jack I was in I was in Spain during that final and uh, sort of Costa del Sol sort of area, mm. and I just I have the exact same memory streets absolutely mental I think I had a knockoff David Villa top on so we were <laughs> representing the strike force pretty Love well that. there <laughs> And, uh, a big hoodies in real life. <laughs> I think I went for the I think I went for the black one though, just to be a bit. Oh, I, 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 I like that. Oh. So I think good. I still got it somewhere. I'll need to find it. I had a red David Vio one from that time as well. Well, neither so, of us had a red David Vio one stream. So why are you mentioning that? I was. But, 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 <laughs> <you're> <laughs> Taurus. <laughs> I had a David Vio one for context. <laughs> Jamie, which Spanish striker did you have the, on the back of a knockoff t-shirt? In I, re- I remember having a, a Spain top, but I'm not sure I had a name on the back. I can't oh. think the now, but I don't recall having a name on the back of mine. Well, I mean, I think loads of people would have the same. Like, obviously, Spain's a massively popular yeah. holiday destination. I just think that loads of people would have been over there for that time, and it was just, it was just absolutely mental. Yeah, I just remember getting like walking back to the apartment, and there was people on their roofs with hoses like spraying us. With hoses from the rooftop, and I was like, just I'm like, I think that's when I properly, properly was like, football was just classy. I that was it, it was kind of like a, a turning point in, in your life where, like, I was what 10 and uh, I didn't really care massively about football, like, I followed it a bit. Aye, and it's at that point I was like, right, there's something really, really interesting about this. Like, it's mental to see that an entire country can just go into complete, just be so completely overjoyed by one sport. And I think that that's where my true kind of affinity for football began in a f- complete context. Obviously, I'd had my club allegiances before then, but mm. I, that that was the point where I thought, "Aye, football's class, mate." We've lived the same life, Jack. 
We really have, mate. Like it's it's a bit scary. It's a wee bit scary, and need to need to just do some do something to deviate from. We need to talk to our dads. <laughs> we do, uh, but mine doesn't like me, so <laughs> I'm joking. Peter, Peter probably won't listen to this, but if he does, I'm joking. Uh, we should probably talk about some football because there were a few big games that happened over the weekend, weren't there? We'll start on yesterday, which on the day of recording would have been Sunday. Well, it was a bit of a bit of a cup final. Uh, arguably one of the more entertaining Scottish Cup finals, especially from a neutral's point of view, in recent memory, as Celtic and Hearts went all the way through 120 minutes of action with a score of three each, and Celtic won it 4-3 on penalties with Connor Hazard saving. I, I, I'd yet to see the highlights of the game because I've been working both days. <laughs> so was it one or two penalties they saved? Was it just the one? Two. Two. And I had, no, no, that was two. the most sad two I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> two penalties and got managed to get Celtic over the line to the win. Uh, Sean, I mean, it was. Can I, we do have to say, I mean, well done to Celtic, quite begrudgingly, because none of us really care for Celtic all too much. But it's I mean, true. it's a quadruple treble, so I mean, <laughs> it's an un- unbelievable achievement and something that may well never even be. Uh, matched in the future, so it just kind of puts the good note on the, on a good end to the story that's been written over the past four years. Um, I, I would prefer the ending that Hearts ruin it and pen, on penalties, Same. but um, I, I, I just like I love this game. <laughs> like, what, I, when you say um, arguably one of the better, I think it generally will be looked back on as one of the best Scottish Cup finals, and if you had. I mean, it's such a basic thing, we say it all the time, but imagine fans in Hampden Park yesterday, oh, it would have been absolutely unreal. Incredible. Um, and just the fighting spirit that Hearts showed, I mean, uh, they didn't look good at all in the second ha- in the first half, sorry, without sort of, I think they were quite unlucky to be two goals behind, they didn't do it's an absolute cracker from Ryan Christie and... Um, the penalty decision just a sort of moment of madness from Christoph Berra, but the, just the way they came rolling back into that game, and you would I know Celtic have had their problems this year, but this is the team going after, like you said, um, a quadruple treble against a championship side, mm. and the way they took it to the game, all credit to the Hearts side and Robbie Nielsen, it just made for a fantastic game of football to watch as a neutral, and I think most neutrals would have been behind Celtic, they've absolutely dominated domestic football over the past four years, and it would have been nice to see Hearts win that trophy, especially considering. I mean, I know a lot of people have laughed at Hearts' expense, but it's been a pretty brutal season for, yeah. for Jambos, uh, and I think that would have been a nice little redemptive story. It's a shame it's football, but I think um, from what I've seen and I've got a lot of friends who are Hearts fans, they were just very, very proud uh, after yesterday's performance. Jamie, that was the emotion that you were uh, conveying a lot, just as as a friend of ours who is a Hearts fan, Hearts correspondent for our Energy Sport. Uh, that that was that was the one thing you are conveyed in abundance after the full time whistle was blown and Celtic had won. It was just pride more than anything else. Just talk talk us through your emotions throughout the day because you you were up early. You, it was the big match called for a big, <laughs> big start to the day. Get a picture of your uh, plain white bread in the, in the, in the, in the that would seem to be a sort of excuse for toast. But uh, you, 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 can it, we're conveying that it was a proper cup final experience, and you were trying to make it as best you could. But I suppose the only thing that would have made it better would have been a Hearts win in the end. So talk, talk us through your day and kind of how it all panned out for you as the fan. Um. Well, first things first. I was I was really confident. 
before the game, and it's it's not like me when it comes to hearts it's specifically. Really um, so you know, obviously, um, you know, stuff with, with like Marius Aliukas and that that kind of really made me think that um, that it was kind of meant to be. If you if you like to to believe in the whole fairy tale ending after what happened in the summer, obviously with uh, Hearts being being relegated. I think Sean's right to kind of mention that it, it. I think everybody kind of had that feeling that it would have been the, the perfect kind of ending to, you know, a pretty crazy year, obviously, in uh, in the world. Never mind just in in Scottish football, um, in particular. But look, as you say, we we tried to kind of uh, make it like a normal a normal cup final. So we had our big breakfast and uh, met up before the game, and then obviously very quickly, I I wasn't particularly nervous before the game, as I say, because I genuinely just thought they were going to do it. <laughs> It was weird. I can't. I can't really describe it. I've never uh, had that feeling before, but I'd love to. That's no, I wish that. That's the same. I've never felt like that either. I've never felt like that either. Um, especially for such a big game where there's, frankly, there was nothing really to suggest other than <laughs> me kind of like putting like fairy tale agendas on everything. Yeah. You know, it's meant to be and all that. Like there you was nothing for me to suggest. It, man, honestly, I did. Yeah, I did literally. Um, and then obviously, look, you're you're two two nil down inside half an hour, uh, which is obviously the the nightmare start. And I think it does show a lot of um, credit to Hearts because obviously we've seen this at, at Hamden a few times from from Celtic where they've started fast, gone into a lead, and and absolutely pissed it in the end, you know. And and uh, you know Hearts get it back to two. I don't know what the the, the half time team talk was. Obviously they they made some changes, scored just a couple of minutes into the second half, and. Um, you know, lose suddenly it's game on again. But when it went back to two one, you know, I, I certainly didn't uh, didn't fancy us or that to to get it back to two two. I thought Celtic would would score again, but Hearts absolutely battered Celtic from from pillar to post in the second half. Mm. And uh, I think that was kind of what made Hearts fans obviously still very disappointed. But the fact that um, they kind of they, they were the better team and they probably had the better chances towards the end. Josh Janelli obviously came on and and made all the difference as I said he would he and. Uh, yeah, he had a couple of late chances, obviously, and you know, I think, uh, I think, you know, Hearts probably should have won the cup. To be honest, I think that's uh, that's the thing that that most Hearts fans probably will struggle to get away from now. It's the fact that they probably should have won it. Just, just told us such a, such a nice, nice of it, Jamie. Honestly, just love it, loving that depiction, mate. And to be honest, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I do agree with you. Like there was, there was just something about Hearts. Like obviously, I couldn't have really cared less who who won. I thought it would have been funnier if Hearts won. Yeah. Uh, but there was just something I was kind of going into the game and uh, I missed it because I was at work so I was basically getting everything through the group chat but there just seemed to be something kind of ahead of it just I don't know if it was your own confidence in it and what Cameron had been saying kind of Amy's own apprehension towards Celtic as a whole there was just something that I, I was genuinely thinking I think this I think this will go to hearts like, I, I just don't see Lennon managing this game well enough to make sure that Celtic actually get, get the win and complete the quadruple treble but I, I don't know. Like, ho- hopefully that performance can kind of show where Hearts need to be and where Hearts should be at a consistent basis. Yeah. And get back there as soon as possible, obviously. Just secure promotion back to the Premiership at the end of the Championship season and then build from there. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, they can they can focus on the league again now. and uh, But certainly plenty plenty positives to take from that. And, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, the, the, I think kind of the main thing that maybe led me to being quite confident this year was that I think Hearts probably should have beat them last year. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, obviously, Lamal and, and uh, Christoph Berra were, were both on the pitch. And I genuinely thought Craig Gordon was, was kind of going to be the difference yesterday. Mm. And, um, 
he, you know, he wasn't really tested. Celtic didn't really have too many efforts on goal. Uh, Edward, I think, had one from quite close range, which was kind of just point blank, really. Um, but other than that, I didn't really think he had an awful lot to do. And it went to penalties. And, you know, when they got it back to 2-2, I was just, there was no doubt in my mind. I just can't believe that uh, that they didn't actually go and do it because, you know, I, I just uh, I just really fancied the night before the game. But then when you get it back to 2-2, and three three with ten minutes to go, and you know, I just you just think it's it's kind of Hearts' trophy, and uh, I think that is probably I want to say credit to Celtic for kind of maybe not having that thought, but at the same time, Hearts Hearts gifted them it. You know, like Christie misses from the spot, it's uh, it's advantage Hearts. You you score two penalties, you win the cup. And for me personally, if Kingsley scores his penalty, Hearts win the cup because mm. Mikey Johnson is is next up for Celtic, and I think. Uh, I think if he has to score to keep the minute, I, I'm not sure he scores. And obviously that's ifs and buts and swings and roundabouts and all that's me having uh, a, a rather vivid imagination. But, you know, two penalties and you win the cup. And uh, and they missed them both. So mm-hmm. nobody to blame really but themselves. But certainly plenty of positives to take on the whole. I honestly don't think I could talk about my team losing a cup final with the amount of grace you are just now. Jamie, and, it's, and the, it's mm-hmm. funny and the though, way that they lost it though, like I know yeah. they they fought back twice, but the fact that they were two 0 down, got it back to two 0 they were three two down, got it back to three two, and then they had the advantage in penalties. I would be utter distraught. I wouldn't have left my bed yet. I would be done, <laughs> gone. Like, I, like, I would be I giving up on football. To be honest, I'd be like, no, nah, this isn't for me anymore. Like after having my emotions just ripped and rolled all about the place, I cannot deal with this game anymore. Like, I would be done. <laughs> I commend you, but it couldn't be me. I just... <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, fair play to you, but how are you doing it? Like, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> what are you suppressing right now? <laughs> like, let's open this up. <laughs> if, if this was a video podcast, Jamie just turned his camera up, there's 18 holes in his wall. <laughs> Connor has a dartboard. <laughs> Uh, I can also confirm uh, we've got a live game going on at the moment. Timo Werner has fluffed an absolutely yeah, massive just chance an absolute <laughs> once again. So the agenda for the German squad is back on. Uh, Why have he in my fantasy team, man? I doing? blame you. It's you and me because he's, <laughs> he's in mine as well. But my other two you. Chelsea players been injured now. Jesus, you have fault, mate. Should have had the foresight. I blame Frank Lampard. Strewing back to this game. Uh, oh, yes. One positive we can take away from this is that. Scott Plenty Brown, positives. Scott Brown was up to his old tricks, wasn't he? Uh, being a bit of a antagonist, shall we say, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, I don't want to get us cancelled again. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, Taylor on the ramble the other day just kind of almost dropped the ball for everyone. I've heard. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, does he does does he really validate being that much of a bastard? <laughs> because he plays a character so but he's a he's a pantomime villain and fair enough when you've got the trophy record and the success that he's had throughout his career you can, you can kind of respect him for it but now he's nowhere near where he once was we've said that a lot this season there's no way that he should be playing for Celtic week in week out and I get and look I get it like he's a massive character he's a character in the club and he plays in a cup final absolutely but then, like running it, running up to like Hearts players' faces instead of going and celebrating goals with your team, it's uh, not strictly kosher in my eyes. It's uh, not not exactly the best behaviour to be uh, employing. But that that what what do you make of it, Struan? I mean, that, should there be any room for Scott Brown to be that much of a wind up merchant anymore, or is he? Should he hang up his uh, naughty boots? Yeah. I'd, I'd... <laughs> 
I, I just I just don't think he gives a shit at this point. I think he's just thinking of the fact that you know he's, he's thirty five now and he's just lifted his twenty second major trophy with Celtic. I think he's just sort of at one of those points now where it, it, even you know Celtic fans criticize him and stuff like that. And I don't I don't think he cares at this point. I think he's just going to be who he is and just just continuously do. It. I did think it was a bit pathetic and. I was watching the game with my mum and dad at the time, and at at the end of it, um, my mum was like, oh, "What is Scott? What is Scott Brown doing after all the other Celtic players were away celebrating, and he was fighting with all the Hearts fans?" And I was like, "Oh, he shouldn't be getting a winner's medal. That's terrible and stuff like that." And I was like, "That's that's just who he is, though, isn't it? You know, and like um, Lee Griffiths' goal in the hundred and fifth, and then." everybody's going to the corner flag and Scott Brown's just running over to Stephen Naismith's face, which was sort of like the battle of this cup between the two players. That was sort of Stephen Naismith and Scott Brown have got plenty of history together. Yeah, the two captains. So I think that was sort of sort of it between them. And then the fact the fact he was still playing an extra time and you just sort of thought, how is he still running? You know, what what is he doing on the pitch? But yeah, I mean, that's just Scott Brown. He, he's, he's, he's making the headlines, isn't he? I mean, we're talking about him right now. He's, he's getting the attention they probably want. Yeah, you're probably right, actually, with, with that. I think um, the one thing that doesn't really sit with me is I, I watched um, Lee Griffiths' post-match interview, and um, once again, he came across uh, very well. Um, he's a kind of pantomime villain that a lot of Hearts fans actually quite like Lee Griffiths, and they quite like the the um, the pantomime villain role that he plays because he takes the banter very well at, at Tynecastle. Obviously, he was playing for Hibs in the the um the five one game at Hamden and, and kind of ever since that he's he's had this kind of um relationship with Hearts fans. It's it's um it's not like a love hate relationship, but it's it's good banter, you know. Um whereas you know, he came out after the game and, and uh and spoke very very well in his in his post match as I say and, and said that penalties is a lottery and um you know I think Hearts probably deserved it on the piece and but you know penalties is a lottery unfortunately it's gone our way this time. Mm. And that's that's very professional, if you ask me. You know, that's the way to be. That's very magnanimous in, in victory. And Chris Sutton, I think it was, after the Celtic Sparta Prague game came out and said that Lee Griffiths was, was unprofessional. And that does it doesn't really sit with me when I watch something like that because there's Griffiths come on, scored a big goal and uh, you know, put Celtic, you know, ten minutes away or whatever from, from winning the cup and doing the quadruple treble. So what goal that would have been for Lee Griffiths, but then, you know, to call Lee Griffiths unprofessional and, you know, Scott Brown's your captain. You know, like, is that, is that, and I appreciate it's probably a different type of professionalism between Griffiths and, and Brown, maybe, but like, I'm I'm not sure I would, uh, of all the players, I would be questioning the professionalism of, of Lee Griffiths. I think I'd be questioning the professionalism of Celtic's captain. And um, when you kind of look at probably previous, previous captains, such as like the Lisbon Lions and that, you know, they did, you know, Scott Brown just seems to go missing on the European stage. It's, it's only on a domestic level where he, he acts like a hard man, you know. I always kind of see like these big tackles he puts in. It was was it the Aberdeen game where he gets fouled? And he got yeah, he painted the walks up and uh, yeah. It's it's all yeah, well, it's... it's all well and good, but I mean, you, you kind of do have to respect it in the sense that it has worked for him, and and he's made he's almost made a career out with Scottish football for being that kind of hard man in quotation marks for kind of getting fouled and cheering about it and then having the trophy record that he's had, but. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just, mind, something didn't sit right with me at all. Gonna see that on Sunday. Mind over lockdown, we found out that Scott Brown just gives That's himself here. a ball day to be hard. Yeah, aye, that, that was the <laughs> thing. Launching Celtic's new kit, and I clicked on the tweet, and it's Scott Love Brown with full head of hair with the new shirt on. I'm like, who's photoshopped that then? 
Ashley Young, Scott Brown, and Angulo Kante all had full heads of hair during lockdown, <laughs> and I, ju- I just wasn't sure. No, we're, we're not putting him in a pit on the same on the same page as Angulo Kante, mate. Like, I'm not. I'm not letting you do that. Scott Brown shaves his own head to make himself bald because he's so committed. He's to a hard character. man. It's, no, he's not. It's he's, more aerodynamic. He's committed That's the plan. To the character. I think he's built himself up as this reputation, and he just has to be committed to it at this point. He's My a, only thing to chime in is that Scottish football will be a worse place without Scott Brown. I'd agree That's with that. It. Yeah. I would not agree with that. <laughs> Such a laugh. Perhaps no surprise. I, I hate him. him. Like, I don't hate him. I hate him. Well, watching him. You play. love to I hate him. You, I think you do exactly. hate him. Do yeah, you love to hate him. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, but, if, I, if I genuinely hated him, I'd be like, I can't wait for him to retire, but I, I don't feel it. I mean, if I was in your position, Jamie, and it was that cup for you. You just managed to win. <laughs> Sorry, what have, what have I done? 19 pounds. <laughs> Mr. Selig over here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's, it's Irish a, name. It's <laughs> Do you know, actually, funny story, my, my granddad said... Oh, Siri's talking oh, to Siri. me again. Oh, no. I see. Siri doesn't even want me to speak at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> On with the show. Well, we're half an hour into this podcast, but we've talked about one game. <laughs> it is an Irish last name, though. And Scott Brown. And, yeah. Well, enough about Scott Brown because we've got a bit, a bit of other news in Scottish. It's got, there's a very Scottish football heavy weekend for uh, for some news. Uh, we'll Good. start uh, with some job, some job uh, openings, some job uh, confirmations. Uh, first of all, Ross County saw defeat at the hands of Hamilton on Saturday, two uh, 0 to the Aki's. and Stuart Kettlewell became the second managerial casualty of the season after the game, and he gave his post-match interview. As a, as a man without a job, which was very interesting to me. Like, it's very interesting to have the chance for someone to capture that quite literal raw reaction, the initial reaction. What 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 did we make of it? I mean, was it was it the right decision? Should he have been def, Should he definitely have been sacked? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think so. He's not yeah. been back though. I don't think, to be honest. I mean, the, the chairman uh, McGregor has—he is a bit of uh, a bit notorious for uh, for being a bit of a bell end. I believe I was listening to Sports Sound <laughs> on Saturday, and uh, Billy Dodds and uh, uh, Jim McIntyre um, were were both on it and were kind of uh, not particularly surprised. I think that uh, Kettlewell had, had been sacked. So Jim McIntyre, who. Got sacked by Ross County, saying that the Ross yes. County chairman's an arsehole. Yes, yes. <laughs> he uh, he certainly didn't seem to be too surprised. He seems to be a, a difficult character to work with, uh, McGregor, up at Ross County. And uh, I'll uh, obviously they they appointed a, a new manager as well, Jack, which I'm sure you're going to get onto. But uh, certainly very interesting post match interview from Stuart Kettle. Very uh, very open and, and honest. And uh, obviously there was a, a game of football. Uh, that took place as well, though, and that's a, a massive three points for the Hamilton Academicals. So, credit to Kettlewell for going and doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. I, but I wonder how that worked in terms of did Kettlewell know that if he lost this game, that was his job done? Like, because it must be a very quick conversation to happen. Like, Aye. how does that work? He gets back into the dressing room, he gets pulled aside, he's told. Uh, it's just well, yeah, he hadn't even told the players yet. He, he literally the first he said person that, told was the media, so he was like, "I'm going to go and speak to the players now." So, wow, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, odd. Yeah, and it probably maybe feeds into what Jamie was saying about um, the chairman and the chairman's reputation. Right. But um, I do think it was probably the right decision. Ross County, I think they were heading towards relegation last season before coronavirus saved them. To be honest, they're on a horrendous run of form. Yeah. Um, 
and if you take out that stunning League Cup one at Parkhead, the league form this season has been absolutely dreadful as well. They lost to Ten Man Kelly, and it's just like they're really not. Um, they haven't been performing. I think there's worse squads in the Premiership than Ross Counties, so I would say that getting a new manager and was probably the right one, right idea. I'm not sure about. I can't decide on their appointment though. Their appointment being, of course, uh, Big John Hughes. I mean, coming back into football after a three-year uh, stint away, f- uh, most recently managed uh, Wraith Rovers, but managed uh, Cali Thistle <laughs> as well. <sighs> what do we make of it? Like, it, it just kind of seemed to come from nothing, really, for me. Like, I, I honestly don't really know too much about this one. Like, I, I'm, I'm leaving it up to you boys here. I like John Hughes's voice. I like how he says shree instead of three. <laughs> I had a teacher who did that. Really? Was it John Hughes? <laughs> no, it wasn't that actually. Could have been. I think John Hughes is the like in terms of numbers, he's the worst of a Wraith Rovers manager in history. Which yeah. is a good is a good start. Yep. Um, and I know he, he did win the Scottish Cup at Inverness, crossing that fierce rivalry between the two Highland clubs, which every single player seems to do at some point. Yeah. In their career. Yeah, I, I remember highlighting this thing about a year yeah. ago now. And it's, it's, uh, it's worked out well. Yeah, it's just a strange, weird... <laughs> they're too pally, I don't like it. Um, did they not, when Cali won the Challenge Cup last year, I'm sure Ross County sent a, a congratulations tweet? Not not for that. Not, not, for, not for that, me, Jeff. No, I'm not going to for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that might, yeah, that might be right, I'm actually. I'm sure that is a thing. But I, I'm re- I really don't know about John Hughes. Like you said, three years out of the game, that's a very long time. And he's not yeah. like he's, it's it's not like a, a sabbatical. Like he's been angling for jobs a lot of time. He did that uh, weird video message where he tried to get the Scotland job one time where he listed his accolades, um, <laughs> which was a good <laughs> laugh. I don't think John Hughes was ever in contention for the Scotland job, but... That's the thing in the ring, you never know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> See how he does it in Ross County and he could maybe... Steve Clark for the imagine, Euros. Imagine John Hughes was taking us to the Euros and Steve Clark was going to Ross County. <laughs> we swap deal. So I ha- I think anyone who has a lot of confidence on this one, either way, or conviction in their decision on this one, is probably talking about rubbish because I just don't know how you, how you can call it. It would be interesting to see. And he's a good character, John Hughes, so happy to see him back in the game. Aye, well, we're just going to need to wait and see how that all pans out in Ross County. Uh, across the country, we saw well, Livingston weren't playing this weekend, but their big news came today, if I'm right. And uh, Monday today, yeah. Monday today, David Martindale has managed to secure the Livingston post uh, on a full time basis. He is definitely uh, confirmed as their manager going forward. And an- another one that makes sense, I suppose. This one definitely makes sense. Uh, since he joined the club, uh, first game. We don't like to talk about that game. Uh, of course, was that? They beat Air United 4 0. Yeah, they did, Sean. Thanks. Oh, was that his first game? <laughs> yeah, that was his first game. <laughs> that was Joel Sked's banker, though, was it not? It was Sked's banker. United, so but then I was also you can't really count that. I was confident there because it was. <laughs> oh, they just want the manager. Oh, the, 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 the players won't be up for it. Air could, air could sneak a result here <laughs> two minutes. I think it was, what, 3 0 down <laughs> in 12 minutes? I was like, well, that's it, the window went to it. Yeah, Jack you're 3 0 down. two goals in six minutes. He's a defender. 3-0 down after 12 minutes. That's pretty impressive. Mm. Ah, but then they also went on to beat uh, Dundee United at home. Uh, they beat Livy. Uh, they are Livy. They beat St. Mm, Johnson away. And they beat Ross County uh, 2-0 at home in the League Cup. So putting them into semi-finals going to Hamden. So 
It's not been too bad a run for David Martindale. It definitely makes sense for him to continue on. What what do we make of this appointment? Yeah, as you say, it makes sense. Um, I think a lot of people were a little surprised, obviously, when Gary Holt left. But I think people overestimate how much Gary Holt actually did at Livingston. I mm-hmm. think um, David Martindale, it was a bit like Ross County with Stuart Kettlewell and... Oh, Stephen Ferguson. What's his, I, um, yeah, see, I wouldn't have even known his name. I would have, I would have just said the two guys, the chewing the fat scene, you know, the, the other guy. Um, Gary, I think people overestimate how much Gary Holt actually does at, at Livingston. Yes, he they, they were a very good team under Gary Holt's management, but I think David Martindale and Gary Holt were different only in um, positional names. I think they both... Um, brought an awful lot to to the team and um, both kind of coached kind of equally, if you like, and were only different in job title. Yeah, that's something I've mentioned before that I think it was the Terrace that highlighted that to me because they were like ranking yes. kind of the best managers in the country and uh, Joe Skin and Craig Fuller kind of pointed out that it's yeah. maybe people are overrating Gary Holt a bit too much because mm. Martin Dale's in charge of recruitment and tactics and coaching. So I think Gary Holt was kind of like, what does he do? Play, <laughs> play well, lads. Most match interviews or press conferences or something. Yeah, I think that was Gary Holt. <laughs> pretty much. It. Um, but I think it's great for um, for Livingston, considering the one four games. He clearly has a respect to the players, and it's great for David Martindale personally as well. I don't know how much uh, people know about his. Uh, story I read a bit about him in, yes. in the Guardian a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes. he's his business basically went under. So to try and sort of stay alive financially, got involved in organised crime, and then ended up <laughs> uh, serving. I think it was eight or nine years in jail. Um, and while he was at jail, he did like a project management course. He gets out. He uh, gets his degree. Does sort of odd coaching bits on the side. Ends up helping out with like really far down in, in Livy's coaching staff I think it was like the kids and he's basically just over the last seven years worked his way right up as Livy have come up through the leagues and I think that's no sort of coincidence so it's a great sort of uh, story for him to show that uh, people can change people can make mistakes and you can end up uh, sort of rehabilitated and successful in your your new career so it's just an all-round good story and I hope he does very very well. I'd be nice to see him do so well I I think uh, the, the squad definitely deserves a good manager because I think I think Livy have got a really really good squad. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of talented players. I mean, I'll back their United boys to the hill. Obviously, Alan Forrest and Nicky Devlin in there, but um, they they just do. They've I, I did I did think there might be a bit of kind of struggles at Livy when Lyndon Dykes uh, departed for QPR. But even mm. without even without him, like they're still they still don't get bad uh, players whatsoever. So. I, I don't know. I, th- I think this could be a decent turning point in uh, Livy's season at a point where they probably needed it most. So hopefully we see them succeed under uh, Martindale's uh, guidance. Uh, as for some other football that happened, uh, Rangers won again. Uh, no, a bit surprising considering they just get thrown at the League Cup from Ross County and then win 1-0 one, one down to Motherwell within 10 minutes. Uh, Callum Lang scoring uh, the goal from Motherwell. Uh, Many thought the Rangers could slip up twice in the space of a few days as a result of this, but then they scored twi- three times in the second half, uh, twice from Kamar Roof and once more from Cedric Itton. <sighs> Does this are we are we more surprised at the outcome of this one considering the start of the game, or is this just part and parcel with uh, how mentally strong our Rangers have become this season? I think last season they would have lost that game or drawn it. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. 
think this season that they've just they've just kind of put those kind of games to bed. And I think that does show how much they are improving and how likely they are to go on and win the title this season. It just seems to kind of get more and more realistic with each passing week that it's <laughs> more Rangers title to lose, and I don't like it. I d- but then again, I wouldn't like it if it was Celtic. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to like it either way because it's a big team. Just g- give it to St Mirren or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what one one thing I wanted to touch on from this game? Ah, uh, Kmar Roof obviously scored twice in this one. How do we rate him since coming into since coming into uh, Rangers in the summer? Uh, probably the more consistent of the attackers that Rangers have got. Obviously, scored that unbelievable halfway line goal in the Europa League. Uh, but uh, any any thoughts on uh, Kmar Roof's season so far as Rangers are uh, big striker up front? It's been better than Morelos. Excellent. Yep. Better Good. than Morelos. Yeah, I knew I knew at Leeds he was very good, but then yep. he went off to Anderlecht, and I, I kind of forgot about him to be honest. And then uh, was it three point five million or something? He was. I don't remember seeing a price tag for that. Rangers keep those quite under wraps, like most of Celtic. Uh, quite often, it's like um, undisclosed and stuff like that. You see, yeah. But aye, I think he's a a great addition and. Morelos is arguably third in that pecking order just now because Cedric Hitton has done very well when he's been given the opportunity, especially through the middle. Um, but Kamar Roof is, I thought it was a good sign. I saw a bit of him at, at Leeds that season and it seemed a bit weird that he'd go off to Belgium. You thought maybe he'd just stay in England, a good championship team or uh, sort of be picked up by a Premier League team. So the fact that he's now doing it for Rangers is, is no surprise really. And aye, they've got themselves a pretty feared uh, attacking lineup there. I know absolutely, and I think it's, it's certainly something they, need, they needed, especially considering how Morelos' form has been this season. He's just not been at the races whatsoever. So having someone who can has done it in the biggest in the big leagues down south and is happy to come up here and do it and really put on a show for us and get those get those goals that Rangers are missing without Morelos. So he's been he's been a very good replacement to a player who's not even left yet. I'll say. Uh, Are you surprised that Morelos is um, dipping form? A little bit. Like I, th- I thought he, he's enough of a an antagonistic character, and he's enough of a kind of beloved among the fan base to think that he would try and kick on a bit more and keep uh, Rangers and push Rangers on towards the title. Because obviously there was a lot of talk about him leaving and going down south uh, as one option. But I, I, I don't know. Part part of me thought that he would at least try and give like, a as decent account of himself as he could. And it's it's been an odd season for him. He's not seen as much first team action as he has done in season past, but that's because Rangers have just got more striking options this season. I mean, they've got Etten Defoe's back to fitness. Uh, Kmar Roof's come in, obviously. Uh, they've even given like <laughs> players like Brandon Barker more of a chance going forward and things like that. So I don't know. I think Gerard's tried to diversify his options a bit more and not rely too heavily on Morelos. And I don't know how well he's reacted to not being top fiddle up front anymore. So. I think you could still make the case that Morelos is a liability to make your first choice striker just with his, you know, his discipline on the pitch, just that that mm. fear that you never know if he is going to pick up a four game ban or something like that. And I think that probably has played into it in the sense that can I trust you to be my number one striker mm. consistently, especially in a season like this where they're going for. I mean, he's, he has picked up a ban like a couple of games ago, so against Dundee United. So I think that there probably is part of that playing into it. Well, we'll move on from Rangers because I've realised we've not got a hell of a lot of time in the 
kind of scheduled kind of running because we've we've ran over a lot in podcast recently, but we we're going to try and stick this one as close to an hour as we can. So we'll go straight on to Kilmarnock. <sighs> oh, oh no! Sean said he was. <laughs> Sean said before this podcast started that he wanted to rant about Kilmarnock, so I'm going to give him a chance. I'm I'm going to slip, slip him an HB clip through ball, and he, and he can get his chance to rant about Kilmarnock all he wants. Because they fell at home to Aberdeen, or they don't scored first in early in the first half, and Kelly uh, went on. They lost Stuart Finley to injury, I believe, in the 87th minute. Brandon Hornstrup uh, came on and was sent off three minutes later for bringing down Sam Cosgrove to deny him a clear goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, fair enough, but it doesn't matter when he actually just goes on and scores the goal, scores the free mm-hmm. kick anyway, make it two 0 and then you're down two defenders in the space of three minutes going into the next game. Sh- Sean, I think I think it was um, a wholly um, frustrating affair for you. Uh, you say fair enough, but I say it's fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, we'd already lost the game. Like, it was, what, when did I, it was in, into injury time. And Danny Rogers has been, had a very good season, to be fair to him, and, and uh, goals for Kilmarnock. So, and Sam Cosgrove hasn't ha- isn't the best at one-on-one finishing. So let them go through. There's no point getting yourself sent off when we've already lost the game and there's only a matter of seconds left. But he drags them down and then, as you said, just to make it all... The, like, just to rub it in our face even more. Sam Cosgrove scores directly from the free kick anyway. So you might as well have let them run through. Um, so that's us without Brandon Hounstrup for the next game or so. Um, and we don't know what will happen with Stuart Finlay. Um, Kilmarnock are really bad at the moment. Um, I believe out of the last available 93 points, uh, Dyer has 25, which is rotten. That's almost a a quarter. It's pretty dire, Jamie. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, I think um, in the last seven games, Kelly have won only one in that game against Ross County, where they were down to 10 men for the entire game. Ross County (laughs) on a rubbish run the form. In those six games that they've lost in the last seven, they haven't scored a single goal. Um, and Alex Dyer's record is horrendous. Um, the so our last two bad managers have been Angelo Alessio and Lee McCulloch, either side of Steve Clark. Um, Gary Walk. Everyone yeah, was the last good manager. Clark. Steve Clark <laughs> before yeah. Steve Clark, sorry, before Steve Clark. Oh, Kenny Shields won the League Cup, but uh, yeah, Kenny Shields probably the fifth place finish in winning the League Cup, but. Aye, so that's a, another. I think they're, Steve Clark. The appointment of Steve Clark is sort of papered over the cracks of some horrendous uh, appointments uh, over the years from the command board. But like I was saying, uh, Alessio and Lee McCulloch, um, they had fifty three games collectively, and Alex Dyer has now lost more games than them in his thirty four games. So um, twenty less games, he's done worse than our worst, like our our most underperforming two managers over the last two years. So our last two, uh, few appointments. So. His record's really bad. It was the cheap option to start off with. He got the yeah. job until the end of the season after he lost three games in a row without having a single goal. So that set the tone. And he's a, by all accounts, he's a very popular guy. He was a key part in that very successful time under Steve Clark. But and it's, it sounds brutal, but I don't just don't think he's a manager. He might be a great assistant manager. He might be a very popular figure. But Kelly 
make very few substitutions. It doesn't. It doesn't know how to change a game. We can have a good game plan. If that works for the whole game, then fine. If that goes wrong, then there's nothing to change it up. There's been no creative spark since Greg Stewart left almost two years ago. Like I generally, if we get above three shots on target in a game, I'm generally like, wow, that's pretty good. And people think that the Steve Clark side was really defensive. It wasn't. They had kept their shape, but they countered really well, and they always posed a threat with Brophy Stewart. Malumbu was finding good passes. Jordan Jones would uh, for his end product was absolutely shocking, but he'd still get you up the pitch and do something. Mm. There's no pace. Yeah. There's no excitement, um, and they're they're just horrendous to watch. And you're just shite. Eh? They are just <laughs> shite, and I would quite like come on it to make a change. I don't think they will. Uh, the sort of financial report came out last week, and they don't have a lot of money, which is basically what I took away from that report. So I can't really see them sacking anyone and getting anyone in, but. I just think the whole of Scottish football has the sort of Tommy Wright shadow over it, and I would very much <laughs> like us to jump into that shadow. And I don't know where this metaphor is going, but I would like Tommy in the Wright right direction. Be... I don't think so, <laughs> but I would like Tommy Wright to be the commandant manager before somebody else makes that very oh, good wow. decision. So Dyer goes. Dyer goes. Dyer goes in any, any sort of situation here. I think he has to. Are you Are you surprised then? You say like obviously. Um... He it was a cheap option, and I remember saying that when Dyer got the job, and I seem to remember like the the kind of response to it was was actually quite a positive one when when Dyer got Aye, that's appointed what I thought as well. he was considered to have done all right, and I I didn't think so. I was in the same camp. I thought, oh, that's not a good sign because I thought it was the cheap option because obviously he got the job to kind of see it out to the end of the end of the season, much like Neil Lennon at Celtic. I suppose you could probably <laughs> see the see the comparisons there. Mm. Um, but then you know when you go and it's not much of a statement, is it, to to go and give him that for on the on a permanent basis after uh, the kind of form. Nah. It, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. Well, I think he was so it was interim charge, and then the three games where he didn't uh, score a goal, and then he got given it till the end of the season, and then the season's cut short by COVID, and then it's announced that he'll be he got given a, a two year deal. And yeah. I, like, we were on poor form before, like COVID. I said about Ross County. I don't think we would have slipped right into that relegation battle, but we were definitely nah, destined, destined for a bottom six finish, mm. and it wasn't going to be pretty. Basically, I don't. We were on a bad run of form, um, and I, I, it's just. I mean, Angelo Lesio was was sacked when we were fifth in the league. I mean, and I, that was going to be my next question: Was Alessio <laughs> even that bad? I don't think Alessio was that bad. Was, he was rumoured to be sort of um, very bad and was about to get sacked. And then I seem to recall you went on a half decent run of form. And then. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like they were looking for any opportunity. Remember. I mean, yeah. they were fifth. Yeah. Like, they, they I remember being shocked. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, rumour has it it wasn't very popular. His English wasn't great. The players found it hard to take to him. Um, yeah. But, and I, I guess Alex Dyer was still in the dressing room at that point. He was still the assistant. He was still the man from the Steve Clark era. So I think. Uh, Maybe it was the popular choice of the players to give him a chance, but it just really hasn't worked out. Recruitment's a big problem at Kelly. They're all like 50. Um, <laughs> so, aye, it's not the best of times is, at Rugby Park. Does that mean Mitch, Mitch Pinnock's signing hasn't uh, hasn't worked out? As He's everybody actually been had... all right. Is <laughs> Mitch Pinnock one of the better ones? <laughs> He's not been that bad. I remember I, I mean, the name Mitch Pinnock makes you think he's going to be shocking, but I think he's actually been. Not, he got a decent delivery on him, the boy. He's too tall for a winger, though. Why but, is he? What? I, think, I don't know. 6'2? As a winger? He's tall, like. He's old. Rashford's like 6'1. 
no comparison between Mitch Pitt <laughs> and, and Marcus Rashford then being Marcus thought was a tall winger. Let's stop doing this. Let's stop doing this because students point students rec- uh, comparison between Mitch Pinnock and Marcus Rashford actually brings us on to our our look at English football. You see that? Clever. I love a good segue. We love segues, don't we? Just host things, mate. Just host things. <laughs> uh, there were some absolute drubbings in the Premier League this weekend. I mean, there's still games going on. Uh, Chelsea's in the second half just now. But uh, let's start at Liverpool because they gave everyone reason to think that there's no way that they give up their title easily and showed their class in a 7-0 victory over Palace. Salah came off the bench to score to it and set up another one. Struan, I mean, we think of, kind of this fixture of Liverpool Palace as we always think of Cristian Bull, don't we? Liverpool go 3-0 up, Palace come back and draw it 3-all and Liverpool basically not are completely out of the title race at that point. Uh, I mean, could, could there be an argument made for this fixture now being kind of up in people's estimation between these two clubs? I mean, you, you, you don't want to say like history between the two clubs because it's one game, but I mean, it could, could go down as one of the kind of great Premier League games or great Premier League team performances from Liverpool. You know, I think the two-one against Spurs was more significant for Liverpool than this one, just because. I will, yeah. I think obviously title rival Tottenham have completely fallen away from that, and I just, I just think that game was really just Liverpool putting a stamp on things, and and this Palace one, I think it was Graham who said in the group chat, well, that's the goal difference up, and it's a really good point because I mean we've seen titles be decided on goal difference, and a seven-nil victory. I mean Salah comes off the bench, gets two goals and an assist. There was a stat that since the two thousand and eighteen nineteen season. Uh, Andrew Robertson and Kevin De Bruyne have had the most assists in the Premier League and I, I know De Bruyne is kind of injured but we'll, we'll ignore that for now and just praise <laughs> how good that is from Andrew Robertson as a fullback. You know, I, I really do think there are some players in that Liverpool team who, who probably will go on to describe as Premier League greats and it was, it was just such an important victory to be honest especially with some poor defending. I will... I will criticise Palace though because I thought they were absolutely shocking at the back and they could have equalised at 1-0 one, uh, down but Jordan Ayew's pass was horrendous to basically give mm. um, Zaha a tap in and then I, th- I think I think Jamie you make the point that why Kuyati starts in centre back all the time you know he's pretty woeful even even Gary Cahill who I think was turned 35 on the Saturday was dreadful did, yeah. they were just all over the place to be honest for such a good defensive team they were absolutely just woeful but in credit to Liverpool they were fantastic can just just can't see to put a nail on Palace this season like They'll score five goals in one game and then just concede seven the next. Like it's, yeah, no, they're impossible it's, to predict. I feel yeah. that's a lot with Premier League teams this, this season, though. There's just no consistency with anyone. Like whatsoever. If there were fans Other in that Arsenal stadium, I don't bad. think they would have allowed Palace to go 7-0 down. The only consistency is Arsenal <laughs> just giving everyone uh, MJ Sport a, a laugh every weekend. Like that's, I'm, did that's they lose again at the weekend? Yeah. They did indeed. Everton. Oh. Everton this weekend. But What's this part I've not seen today about Arteta's percentages? What so basically, he came away with <laughs> a lot of statistics, and uh-huh. it almost oh, like from the, from the rest. Of it, if you find the quote, that basically one of the ones that I've seen quite a lot is you, you were into wrestling, were you? Or, oh, I, you know I, Scott, I was when I was younger. Do you know Scott Steiner? Um, no, it's the big muscly <laughs> mental guy. Came in like. Armor. Anyway, um, right. basically, it was just it just like an interview of um, 
him reading out statistics and that one's been sort of quote tweeted at a lot of it <laughs> and even the company tna tweeted out like taking the mick out of it and stuff like that and it's like even even an american wrestling company are now sort of getting in on this arsenal banner which ESP, is just was, crazy uh, the quote at espn uk it was michael it was saying uh, last year we won against everton with a 25 percent chance of winning you win 3-2 last weekend it was a 67 percent chance of winning any any premier league game in history and a nine percent chance of losing and you lose Three percent against Burnley and you lose. Seven percent against Spurs and you lose. I don't even understand. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand yeah, so he's I think he's saying we like defied the odds, the odds once, but he's saying right. numbers and words and hoping they stick. I don't get it. No, I'm that's, a bit confused at that. Uh, that just sounds a bit too far. It sounds to me. me as a manager <laughs> who is absolutely bricking it and is now just starting to say all kinds of... It, was, it reminds me of when Jose Mourinho went on the three rant when he was the United manager and he was making the point mm. that I have three Premier League trophies and these guys, they all together, they have two or something like that. And it's just sort of yeah, like... That made sense, Struan. No, I know, but you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah. But, but you wouldn't do that in like a press conference and stuff. You just completely like come out with that. And I think it's almost one of these where... It's just getting too much to him now. To the point, he's just going to start saying stuff like that, and almost in a way, that's kind of distracting us from the fact that Arsenal are in a relegation battle. That I think Mikel Arteta's mind games are a lot gimpier. Mikel Arteta's mind games require a calculator. He he doesn't have any. The other managers have two. I was the assistant manager for two Premier League titles. It doesn't work the same, does it? Mikel Arteta's mind games involve a Nat Five Math exam. <laughs> my my right back plants trees. What does yours do? <laughs> Puts in good crosses. Well, clear, no, he doesn't plant Throws the ball anymore. properly. He doesn't plant trees anymore because Arsenal don't win anymore. Oh, neither he does. No, nah, they're winning this. They're winning this weekend. What are the uh, What are yeah, the percentages of red cards? Uh, what are the red cards? Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> you should probably make a statistic on his red cards because <laughs> statistic too many. Yeah. Oh, we're bashing managers who have too many red cards. Back to Hello, Alex Dyer. Completely taken away from Alex Dyer. Who'd, who'd be available for the Kelly card. job? I mean, Mikel Arteta might be a, a free man. No, soon. thanks. I'll stick with Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it's got me at Arsenal. Oh, we, why, are we do, why do we do this every time? Honestly, we're making a point about Liverpool and how good they are, and we end up talking rubbish about Arsenal. <laughs> Saturday's performance seasons. from Liverpool is why they're still in the league. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And this Sorry, was, Jamie. Jamie, you made the point uh, at the time that this was a team that just looked so assured of themselves in defence with it, uh, Virgil van Dijk. So keeping in mind that he's still got to come back. And I mean, can that just be attributed to how well Fabinho has slotted into that centre-back spot when he's been available? I think it's a testament to the whole team. But yes, um, yeah, Fabinho's been excellent. Obviously, it was that that first game against Chelsea, Chelsea. where he slotted in at, at centre-back and, uh, and was absolutely brilliant. Yep. Strolled it. Strolled it. Um, okay, Chelsea had 10 men and it didn't really get put under an awful lot of pressure but, um, you know, again, that was a testament to how Liverpool saw the game. So, I, I think he's been uh, he's been brilliant but so the whole team and every time I write Liverpool off and say they're they're going to get beat or I think they'll drop points, you know, they, they just... Um, they just put on a, a five-star performance. And obviously that was without Mohamed Salah starting as well. And he still managed to come off the bench and, and get on the uh, get on the score sheet. Mm. Some brilliant goals as well, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the John Henderson won as well. I think the fifth goal that was, that, that was a really nice strike, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Salah's second is just 
Quintessential Salah, isn't it? <laughs> just yeah. his Cut trademark. In. You made the point. For, even for me, you've been you be, you get laughed at at the time, Sean, because you'd put in a group chat with yeah. some of your mates that you believe Salah to be underrated as a as a footballer, as a Liverpool player. I I can't remember the numbers now, but it, it, his numbers are literally ridiculous. <laughs> like, there's no if you just I know in football isn't just about numbers. I know that he can be selfish and he's got maybe a bit of reputation for going down too easily, but. Just in terms of raw facts, he's been. He could be up there as one of the best players in the history of the Premier League if you just look at numbers. And in the short time, he's done what, three seasons, four seasons? And, and the consistency of always been up there with 20 plus goals for a winger. His assists are always fantastic as well. Um, I just think he's probably up there in the top five players in world football. I don't think we talk about him like that. I honestly, it was very good. Ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. I think it kind of hundred. It's like hundred and eleven goals and hundred or hundred ten goals in hundred and seventy one games. I believe it's aye, something along those lines. I mean, no coming one in from that. Roma for thirty million pounds. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be what he is. Yeah, so hundred ten and hundred seventy three. There you go. Especially after, yeah, especially after he had the time at Chelsea. Quite well, pinched, and, and like, really hit the ground. everywhere else, really. Because, ah, yeah. I mean, even at Roma, I don't remember him doing that much. He didn't set the world did. alight at Roma. Definitely. He was yeah. fine, yeah, he was fine. It was only really Chelsea where I thought he was he was quite poor. but um, He never got a look it... in at the same time, so... I don't know, think, uh, things could... I think it's almost one different. of them as well, where it's the whole team helps him so much, and it just works so well, you know. Yeah, this Liverpool team, players. yeah, I think it's just a testament to the team. Like, I, I'm not even sure I would, like praise like individuals or that personally like I just I just think it's down to like the whole team so you speak about Van Dyke and that it's just such a uh, I don't know it's just such a I don't think anybody would have said Van Dyke was the best centre back in world football or that he would have justified a 75 million price tag but looking at it now 100% he's he's had both of those yeah 100% Uh, we'll move on from Liverpool and look at their kind of closest challengers in recent weeks Spurs because their title challenge took another big hit uh, for the second week in a row, they lost to Leicester two 0 at home. Uh, in recent in recent memory, Spurs they've kind of come across as a team who have the, been these big hoodies who have been hard to beat. And uh, for for the second week in a row, it's not been the case what well, at all. I did not see this one. I was watching the cup final. <laughs> I think yeah, this that, is a very good point actually. This none of us probably seen this game whatsoever because. Cup final took priority. Uh, but uh, you would kind of I didn't see it Mourinho, coming. <laughs> no, I yeah, didn't see it coming. Mourinho, uh, Mourinho's whole thing is instilling the sort of winning mentality into teams. Mm. And it's just for whatever reason, as much as he's improved Spurs, as, as much as he's, uh, he looks to have made them a Champions League side, they don't seem to have... They conceded late last week. They've not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've lost home here to Leicester. Uh, it's just not... I don't know if he needs more time to sort of get his claws in, but... Or it was still something the psyche of Spurs that we know they have the sort of reputation for not having that winning mentality that he just needs a bit more time. So I think that, like we said, the the two results from Liverpool and Spurs sort of just show the the chasm between them and why one are the overwhelming favourites for the Premier League and why one are probably going to have to fall short again for another season. It reminds me, I often think of the, the interview that Chiellini gave after the Champions League talking about the history of Tottenham. You know, they score a lot of goals, but at the end of the day, they always seem to mess it up at the end and it kind of seems like they've already blown their title I, charge I, 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 yeah, they're, they're below Chelsea now are they? what based well, on I, I, the, the, the Chelsea will be above but Tottenham will have a game in hand 
I think. You say well be above Stroud. Mm, no. Sixty fifth minute, sixty third minute, and Chelsea have played fourteen. Uh, no, I I don't know about the the kind of time aspect of it because Mourinho usually kind of comes in and shakes things up massively, and be, and usually is able to grind out results. Yeah, first season yeah. fairly quickly. That last season was the first time he'd kind of gone into a job midway through a season. Mm-hmm. So he's coming to this one already having at least like half a season under his belt. Yeah. So it's I I don't necessarily know if it's a timing aspect. I think it could just be something more underlying that. It could just be this season, to be honest, because we keep coming back to the fact that no one's really keeping consistency in this season, other than Liverpool being good. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's genuinely just, bad. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I, I celebrated that more than any Chelsea goal this season when uh, Sheffield United took the lead <laughs> against Brighton because I just want Chris Wilder to do well, mate. To be honest, I, I like Chris Wilder. I like Sheffield United. Just a bunch of centre backs playing football. It's the, the team I always wanted to be in when I was a kid. <laughs> Just love centre-backs, mate. Uh, another battering that happened this weekend in the Premier League. Uh, Struan, do, do you want to talk about this one? Uh, Leeds United waited 16 years to play Manchester United in the Premier League. They finally made it and were absolutely played off the pitch. Kind of. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. By three minutes in and the game was over, thanks to Scott McTominay, <laughs> who... Scored two goals. In were the you quickest. all right? Genuinely, were you okay? Well, I've, I've, I, I couldn't believe it because obviously, obviously, we had this, we had the Scottish Cup final, and we agreed, even though it was going to penalties, that that was going to stay on our TV. And I, I saw the notification because I basically thought, right, nothing's going to happen in the first five, ten, fifteen minutes of this game, you know. Well, but except maybe United will concede because that's happened a few times. That's what happens, yeah. And then <laughs> I only saw about the second Scott McTominay goal. Before, like, I saw that before I'd actually seen the first because I'd, I'd kept my phone to the side because I didn't want to because it was a penalty shootout and stuff. I was getting a bit intense. I didn't really want to. No, I was basically just paying attention to the football. And then I checked my phone and I saw Man United were two 0 up, and I thought, oh, that's a fantastic start. And then I saw Scott McTominay had scored both goals, and I was just <laughs> un- unbelievable. And then three goals in twenty minutes, Bruno Fernandez. It was just a, it was a really good um, performance. I think Solskjaer completely. Um, I don't often give him credit, as we know, but. I think he did very well with his team selection. He knew exactly what Leeds were going to do, and yeah, it was just a solid performance all round. And it's quite, it's quite good, almost in a way, from a Man United point of view, that they scored six goals, and you know the front three of Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood didn't score any of them. You know the goals were coming from all over the place. So, yeah, I was just glad that Scott McTominay couldn't complete his hat trick. Bruno Fernandez took the penalty, and uh, yep, but uh, it was a really good performance. What did you say? Highlight how. I'm oh, sorry. I was sorry. just gonna say. Does it highlight how easy like leads are to like play against? So like, yeah, I, th- like, I think if you spoke... if you. Sorry. Go I was just gonna say like obviously you know we we speak every week about like Bielsa's style and how it's gonna work against some teams and other teams it won't. Obviously they did very well against against Newcastle prior to this game at Old mm, Trafford yeah. and then you know the you sort of maybe I I kind of fancied their chances like because I thought like United will probably. I thought Leeds could do them on the counter, you know, like what they have kind of done to a few teams away from home, like that Aston Villa one springs to mind, like Everton, um, not so much Chelsea, but, you know, there have been games where I thought, yeah, okay, Leeds could could do something similar here and, and probably hit United on the break and, and cause them a few problems. And I suppose they scored two goals, but again, just defensively, like, so bad. I think, I think like, one of the things you... I'd noticed was against Leeds United, um, Daniel James was probably the most 
curious selection from Solskja, but you could just see the space getting behind. And I think United just dominated in the midfield. Mm. You know, I've, I've I've praised Calvin Phillips a few times, but it was just run, uh, outrun. They lost the ball constantly. The United kept having it, and it was it was the fact that players like Fred and McTominay, who are supposed to be you know your, your number sixes, you know your pivot, who should probably be covering the back four, you know they were striding into the box because they could just carry the ball that far. They were just absolutely dominating in the midfield, and it was just leads were never really changing that. And I think there were only two recognised central midfielders in Calvin Phillips and Click on the pitch because I think Rod- Rodrigo was supposed to be coming a bit further back, but I, th- I think it was just won and lost in that midfield to be honest. And then whoever won the ball basically could play it into the quick forwards, and then they just went away from there. I was going to say when Jamie made the point about does it sort of uh, give an insight into how easy it is to play against Leeds? I think I saw a stat that said that. Um, of the 10 games in the Premier League this season that we've had, it was either 30 or 35 or more shots. I can't remember if it was, the number was 30 or 35. But um, six of those games have involved leads. So more than half of these games have had leads in them, which just shows both their attacking prowess and the fact that they're a bit of shambles at the back. Depends and they're, they're great to watch. I mean, I love them. I think they're a fantastic addition to the Premier League. Um, so so and you know that when Leeds are playing, it's always one a game to keep your eye on. Um, but you've got to also have that some sort of grit and know that, I mean, there's only for so long you can go, oh, we conceded six goals, but it was a good laugh, wasn't it? I mean, but we attacked well. I, I, I've must... seen the, I'm watching the opposite of that at the moment, and it's not much fun. So, if, uh... See, it's like a player in that defence or something like that, and you're, you're 6-1 down or whatever you are, and your manager is telling you to play the same way. Do you think it becomes a bit demoralising that you know that yeah, it is the style of football that's gotten them to the Premier League, so it's it's not bad football by any means, but it must come to the point where when you're getting beaten, you know, three or four or five goals at the difference, mm. when you're thinking, we need to do something differently here, like would somebody just put their foot on the ground on the ball just say, right, we're, we're sorting this out, but rather than just constantly going forward, because even even when they were 6-1 down, I know you have to throw the, the kitchen sink at it at that point, but you just think it didn't need to get to that position, you know, if you're... If you go a goal or two down, you need to sort of just sort yourselves out. But it, it never really was that. It was just attack, attack, attack. And I don't know if you have to give respect or you have to like question, you know, that's just the wrong thing to do at this level of football where you're coming up against some of the best teams in the league. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but they're a great watch, <laughs> regardless of the results. Yeah, regardless of the results, hi. So you're always going to get an entertaining game watching Leeds, regardless of whether they are on the right side of the game or not. Uh, that'll kind of wrap up the coverage we want to kind of talk about the Premier League just a couple of the European uh, stories coming in last its challenge uh, starting Spain with our good friends Barcelona Sean McGill's favourite team <laughs> uh, Messi scored uh, in a 2 all draw against uh, Al- uh, Valencia sorry mm. uh, in the league uh, making equaling uh, Pele's record uh scoring the 600, 643rd goal for a single club, making him the joint highest scoring player for a single club in history. Uh, Sean, he's actually come out and said, <laughs> come out today and is blaming uh, his failed move in the summer on his uh, lack of form this season. Thoughts? Um, Barcelona are bad. Is my That's your initial thought, yeah. Yeah, um, Messi has also been not very good so far this season, but he's better than the rest of those jobbers. Like they're so bad. <laughs> um, 
I, like watching them defend is genuinely painful. Like I think we saw it in the uh, for those of us who watched the Juventus game that who is it? Is it Weston McKenney gets the first one? It's just <clears throat> it's a great goal, but he's in acres of space. Like mm. it's so easy, and it was almost a, a very similar one for the opener for Valencia. And I mean, getting a two 0 draw at home to Valencia isn't a great result at all. I mean, Barcelona are in fifth place just now. They're uh, eight points off Atletico Madrid at the top of the table, having played a game more than Atletico. Um, the, the, for me, the title is completely a question for Barcelona this season. It's a case of seeing if they can get into the Champions League. Ronald Koeman was a bad appointment. The recruitment's not been good enough. There's a few bright sparks. I think Pedri's having a good season, one of the youth players. Mm. But, I mean, it's all a bit of a mess. And it's just... I, I, I thought the Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern was going to be, this is the low. Like, this is... like they're not, This is rock bottom. Um, I don't think it was. I think it's getting worse this season. Just there's nothing good coming out of Barcelona at the moment. On, on, no. Honestly, part of me thinks they just need to get rid of Messi, and then it might just kind of, that might be their problem solved, which is a ridiculous thing to say when he's one of the best players of all time, and you can even think about getting rid of him. I but, don't know. I don't know where this te- if this team didn't have Messi right now. I generally, <laughs> I don't think it's an overreaction to say they might not even be in the top half of the of Liga. <laughs> I think they're struggling so so much. They've got the biggest wage bill in world football as well, which is absolutely. How much of that is Messi though? When you think about it, oh, a lot of it. I mean, there's there's three players in that team who cost over one hundred million pounds, and like in Dembele, Griezmann, and Coutinho, and absolutely none of them are doing anything. Genuinely, for me, the best player at Barcelona this season, apart from Messi, has been Martin Braithwaite. Respect Frankie De Jong. Frankie De Jong's done nothing. It doesn't even. He didn't play the weekend. Doesn't even get a game because he plays in the same position as Busquets. What is it with former Ajax midfielders not getting a game this season? It's a joke. This. This Strun's not biting. Oh. <laughs> Failed attempt. That was great Don't logic, Strun. Let's bite for the audience. <laughs> 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 no, we're not having you chatting again. We're not we're not having another liquid room. I, th- I think I think Sean said on a podcast a while ago, and I'm gonna make the point again because I don't think another footballer's name fits into that song as well as his does, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Fair enough. Uh, we'll head over to Italy quickly. Uh, Milan scored the faster goal in Serie A history. <laughs> Uh, Rafael Leal scoring after six seconds in a 2-1 two, two, win against Sassuolo. They're looking very good, AC Milan. They are still uh, riding high up at the, if I'm right... They're top really, of the league. They are the top of the league, yeah. Yeah. not having lost yet. That's correct. One point ahead of City rivals Inter. Uh, four points ahead of Juventus, who are sitting third, even though they're undefeated as well. Uh, how? It's, for me, it's nice, because... AC Milan, I always remember them from my my, my youth. I'm an old man now. Uh, they were always in European finals. They were always running leagues. Like They were just a massive, massive club with a lot of pedigree and a lot of success. And kind of since the turn of the 2010s, really, they've just done nothing and they've just really fallen from grace quite badly, to be honest. And I, d- I don't know, is it just me or is it nice to see AC Milan lit back up and amongst the... The top end of the uh, top end of the league and really kind of staking a claim for potentially a league title come the end of the season. I like it. I like it for a couple of reasons. I think it's good to see, as you say, a sleeping giant back back to where they should be. They should be at the top. You know, they fell so far down, banned from European competition, but they've they've sort of been on a slow a slow rise in recent years with money being spent, and it's it's nice to see them there. You know, an old player like Ibrahimovic has definitely made a huge difference and getting his involvement, but. 
I think it's good as well to see another team challenging Juventus because although although they have had competition, you know, last year from the likes of Lazio and Inter Milan and previously with Napoli, there's never really been that. Oh, Juventus might lose it this year because because they're always on top. You know, they're never chasing. They're all, they always seem to be leading the pack. But at the moment, AC Milan are ahead, and I think I think it's just good because I think it, uh, Juventus will be going for about the ninth in a row. It would have been this season, so. Yeah, I think I think it is really good to have another team competing in the I league. I thought it was there. ten. I thought it was ten. Yeah, I think they're going. Is that for ten? Because I think AC Milan won it in twenty ten under Allegri, and I think that might be the last time anybody actually won it. So oh, almost would be. Inter would have won it in twenty ten under Mourinho for the treble. I no? think twenty eleven then AC Milan won it because they definitely it, won it under Allegri, and then he he went away in Juventus after some he went Juventus. Antonio I'm Conte sure Juventus. That... I don't know, maybe it's PSG. No, it won't be PSG because he lost it. I think Bayern are on nine and we're going for Bayern nine. Bayern are on eight. And... Yeah, so on Bayern eight. are going for nine and Juventus are going for ten. I think right. that's the... There we go. And how many are yourself that going for? 55. Oh, crossing oh, 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 wires there, I don't know. Oh. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's really good to see AC Milan. It's always nice to see a, a, a sleeping giant awaken. That's nice. That's nice. Uh, I do want to just kind of wrap up this show with a bit of... News about a, a young goal scorer in Germany, uh, Yusuf Mukoko. Um, I am saying that right. Uh, became the youngest player to score in the Bundesliga ever, at sixteen years and twenty eight days old. Got his first professional goal for Borussia Dortmund in their two one loss to FC Union Berlin. Do, do you think? I mean, <laughs> Dortmund are not in the best part of their season at the moment, they're not exactly having the best luck, uh, that's their fifth league defeat of the season uh, Lucien Favre is no longer in a job after they were beaten up 5-1 five, five by uh, Stuttgart uh, a couple of weeks back uh, surely a 16 year old can't turn a season around for a team like Dortmund um, I don't I I don't. I mean, they're still in Champions League contention. I think that's probably where Dortmund are just now. I just don't think that they're anywhere near Bayern. Um, I saw. I read an interesting article basically saying that I can't remember who it was by. Um, but it was basically just saying that. But Dortmund have prioritised too much in signing these hidden gems, these young players, so they can then yeah. have a big resale value, rather than actually focusing on what is the philosophy of this team. How do we want to play? What what complements the current squad? It's just just been sort of overloaded with young attacking players which might look great on paper but actually doesn't work as a cohesive unit mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to stick with the interim manager until the end of the season I think that's the plan and then go for Borussia Mönchengladbach's Marco Rosa who's done a very good job there um, I think that's the plan just now um, I, I don't know interesting to see how uh, the youngster gets on um, it makes me feel like an absolute loser I'm sitting there talking about him when I'm four years older than him yep um, <laughs> But apart from that, I think it's going to be sort of a, se- a season of transition for, for Dortmund and they'll look to kick on with a potential big name in the summer. Yeah, well, there we go. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Actually, i tell you what's going to wrap up today's episode. Tammy Abraham's just scored for Chelsea. I was just going to say, there's been a goal there's at been Stamford a goal, Bridge but for, for who, But for who? <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. Oh, Not Timo Werner. Oh, is it? There's been Werner got one. the assist. If that's anything, it's been another fantasy point. That's all that matters. Uh, Tammy Abraham uh, scoring Chelsea's second of the night, despite some quite consistent West Ham pressure. It's been a fa- fair bit of West Ham possession in the Chelsea half. This uh, in this forty-five. And there's number and there's three. Is it number it's three? It's gone in. Yeah. Oh, 
It's Abraham, Abraham again, again at the back post. There we go. Well, Chelsea Energy Sport is looking to get into more live coverage next semester. So <laughs> yeah. we're enjoying this. This is a little precursor for what's to come, guys. Stay tuned. Chelsea, if you don't mind, we're trying to wrap up a podcast here. Chelsea, stop scoring goals. I'm never going to say that. Oh, there's Kurt Zimmer looking happy. That, that's where we're going to end it. Kurt Zimmer with a smile on his face, as we always like to end things, is me talking about my love for Kurt Zimmer. Uh, thank you very much uh, for everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed, wherever you get yours, and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content, be it podcasts, articles, interviews, anything like that. Uh, thank you very much to Strew and Sean and Jamie for joining me today. Make sure to... Is it an extra time this week? Um, Thursday's Christmas Eve isn't it so yeah. I imagine people will probably be quite busy we'll see but yeah. probably not Maybe. Santa needs something to listen to there's gonna be, there is going to be a True. ramble <laughs> some inebriated students on extra time <laughs> there is going to be a fancy ramble on, on Christmas Eve I think we're going to record that on Wednesday night to get you ready for the bo- for Boxing Day football and Sunday's games as well. So I think there's a round of Premiership fixtures this midweek, isn't there? So I'm kind of tempted. No, there's not. Premiership? Oh, Premiership. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, there is. Oh, you're yeah, there right. there is. Oh. Way to Dundee United. Losing yeah. manager gets sacked. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> We'd take that roulette. We would absolutely take that roulette. Uh, yeah, so just keep your eye on the socials and yeah, just keep an eye out for any podcasts that are coming out and there's going to be articles coming out fairly frequently as well we're getting some new blood in uh, from the from the younger years to do all of our writing for us because we just like talking rather than writing these days no we're going to write more we are going to write more we need to write more we try and write, write more the big uh, match on Boxing Day as well Jack of course it is uh, it's an energy derby on Boxing Day <laughs> that none of us have actually discussed Super air away at Town Castle, boys, and we're losing 5 oh, Yeah, I thought you Arsenal Chelsea as well, isn't it? Oh, uh, what a boxing There's, there's day. Arsenal oh, Chelsea yeah. as well. This is energy all over the show. Oh, shot. my God. <laughs> We've got correspondence <laughs> everywhere. I'm going to go and stand outside Somerset and box and they crying <laughs> <laughs> when Andy Halliday scores his hat trick in a 9 0 win. I mean, it's not at Somerset. So. No, it's not at Somerset. <laughs> but, like, I, I just want to be there. I just want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that should wrap it up. Thanks, yep. Sean. Thanks, Strew, and thanks, Jamie. You've you've been great company as per usual. Loved uh, it. Thanks, good. Jack. How how long's this one been? 80, 81 minutes. Eighty one. close to I, extra time. I we need to actually get a grip. We need to get a grip. We need to, to stop talking. Like we need. <laughs> to Merry just... Christmas, bye. Oh yeah, I end it. you'll hear this. Oh, very Merry Christmas from everyone here at Energy Sport. If you're celebrating, if not, happy holidays. And we are going to see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>